0: Jesus knew that not only do we see things upside down, but we often, oft, we often live upside down lives too. And in order to, to be a part of the kingdom of God, our lives must look drastically different. Change your hearts and your lives because the, the kingdom is here. Change your hearts and your lives and trust this good news, Jesus says. And so we've been talking about how Jesus used stories called parables, stories called parables to help turn our lives right side up so that they're in line with the kingdom of God, God's reign, God's movement in the world. Parables draw us in with very ordinary, commonplace images and things, and then they surprise us. They surprise us in a way that, that teases our imagination, helps us to imagine what the kingdom of God is like and then to live in that reality. And so we've talked about a kingdom of abundance in a world of scarcity. We've talked about a kingdom of small in a world of big. And we've talked about a kingdom of surprise in a world of control. And today in our, in our last sermon. We look to a parable to be oriented or to be reoriented to God's kingdom of grace in a world of fair. God's kingdom of grace in a world of fair. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray uh, that it would take root there, uh, transform us so that we might bear fruit for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture lesson comes from Gospel of Matthew, the 20th chapter. I'll be reading verses 1 through 15. I invite you to listen carefully to this parable Jesus tells. You can follow along right there on the screen. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After he agreed with the workers to pay them a denarian, he sent them into his vineyard. Then he went around nine in the morning and saw others standing around the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right. And they went. Again around noon and then at three in the afternoon he did the same thing. Around five in the afternoon he went and found others standing around and he said to them, why are you just standing around doing nothing all day long? Because nobody has hired us, they replied. He responded, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the workers and give them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and moving on finally to the first. When those who were hired at five five in the afternoon came, each one received a denarian. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarian. When they received it, they grumbled against the landowner. These who were hired last worked one hour and they received the same pay as we did, even though we had to work the whole day in the hot sun. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I did you no wrong. Didn't I agree to pay you a denarian? Take what belongs to you and go. I want to give to this one who was hired last the same as I give to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what belongs to me? Or are you resentful because I'm generous? This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Are you envious because I am generous? Asks the owner of the vineyard. You bet we are. (laughs) If we aren't, then we're not hearing the parable, right? I mean, this parable just kind of rubs us the wrong way. Greats against our our sensibilities. We're caught up quickly in this narrative because we have so many notions and carry around so many notions about what we think is fair and what is not. And this parable just goes against every single one of them. And it would have been no different for Jesus' hearers either. It's not fair. The workers who worked one hour get paid exactly the same as the ones who have been working all day long. Initially, this parable is pretty identifiable. It proceeds uh, in a pretty um, innocently, like most of Jesus' parables do. A landowner goes out early in the morning to try to find laborers to work in his vineyard. Um, it was very commonplace in those days for a landowner to do that, to get the help of day laborers. Um, In first century Palestine, poverty was widespread, work was hard to come by, and so people would often stand on the street corners hoping that someone would come by and hire them to do a day's work. Typical working day was about 12 hours, sunrise to sunset, and so this landowner goes very early in the morning to there, to the the streets, and and, and finds some folks They agree upon a wage. He says, I'll I'll pay you a a denarian, which was the equivalent of about a day's wage. We're talking about subsistent living. Um, He comes comes back at 9 again and gets some more laborers willing uh, to work and says, I'll pay you whatever is right. I'll pay you whatever is right. It's a little bit different. Comes back again at 12 and at 3. There must have either been a lot of work that needed to be done or we already see that the landowner is demonstrating his graciousness in hiring people who needed to work in order to live. Then he goes back out at 5 p.m. This is where things start to get a little bit surprising, right? I mean, that's pretty close to the end of the workday. Like, why why would the landowner go out at 5 p.m. right almost before quitting time? There's still folks standing there. Still folks standing there. No one has hired them. In other words, nobody wanted them. Is that fair? You can imagine their sense of desperation and discouragement. Would they have enough to pay the bills without work that day? But the landowner hires them. Tells them to come on and go into his vineyard. Hires them too. At the close of the day, it's time to get paid, and the workers start to line up. And here's where Jesus really turns things upside down. Normally, wages would be distributed first to those who were hired first and who had worked the longest amount of time and then going to the least. The landowner does the exact opposite. He gets his manager and he says, I want you to pay the workers their wages beginning with the last ones hired and moving to the first. The last ones hired and moving to the first. So that group that that has worked all day long, hired first, working in the hot sun has to watch this distribution taking place. They have to watch it all. You can imagine if, if you're them like at the end of the line, watching, you think, okay, well, I mean, it's kind of weird that he's paying them them first. Let's see what he gives them because I bet he's going to give us even more, right? So they're at the end of the line. They're watching the, the landowners. He gives the, the very last group hired. They just worked basically an hour. I wonder what he's going to give them. And he gives them a denarian. That's the same amount that they had been paid for working all day. Man, that means we're going to receive a lot of money then because we've been working all day, right? No. Much to everyone's surprise, those laborers who've been working all day, Jesus' audience, us now, much to everybody's surprise, the group hired first gets the same wage as the one hired last. What? What? And the collective chorus is, that's not fair. Are you envious because I'm generous? It seems we are. It seems we are. It grinds against our logic. It grinds against our sense of fair, even against basic practical economics. And that's exactly what happens when Jesus turns our world upside down with stories like these. This time, it's turning upside down our sense of fairness and merit. Early bird gets the worm. No pain, no gain. You get what you pay for. There's no such thing as free lunch. We think everything is merit-based and that we know what we deserve and what others deserve. And when things don't go down according to that system, then we cry, it's not fair. We don't want to be charity. We want to earn our way fair and square. We want people to get what they deserve and deserve what they get. Nothing more, nothing less. Regardless of whether or not it's actually technically the correct driving maneuver, it's why we cry, that's not fair when we're sitting in a huge line of traffic and it's a two-lane to one-lane merger, and all of a sudden, by the right side of us comes the car and cuts in at the last minute. Right? We think that's not fair when we work so hard at something, work, school, otherwise, only to see someone else who's barely put any work in whatsoever succeed and get praised too. I remember going to soccer camp when I was um, probably early, a young, young teenager. I've been playing soccer at that point since I was five years old. I was a fairly good soccer player, um, okay juggler, not great, not horrible. Um, so a group of us, some of the older campers in the camp, were sitting around, you know, juggling the ball during a, during a break. And, and, I, and I forget, there was like this, I think he was probably seven or eight year old little kid who's like, can I juggle with y'all? And he proceeds to like completely juggle circles around us. I mean, absolutely make us look silly with his juggling skills. And I remember thinking at that time, man, that's just not, that's just not fair. <laughs> we know life is not fair, but we want it to be fair for us. We want God to assign us worth based on the hard work that we're putting in. In a world of fair, we think wages or what we receive equates to worth. We think wages or what we receive must equate to worth. Ask yourself this honest question. Who do you identify with most in the story? Why is that? Do you identify most with the ones who were hired last or the ones who are hired first? My guess is that most of us probably identify with the ones who were hired first. The ones who were hired first. We take our place with those supposed responsible ones, the, the real hard workers. Hired first, paid last, and now... Complaining. Not the ones who were waiting around all day hoping that, that everybody, uh, you know, the, the, ho- hoping that someone would hire them. The ones who everybody had apparently avoided to that point. It's not fair, we say. It's not fair. As so we take our place at the end of the line. It just shows us, I think, how, how much we are formed um, in a world defined by fairness and merit and deserve. We would rather feel like we earned our way to worth than to have that worth given to us by a good and gracious God. We would rather earn our way to worth rather than to have that worth given to us by a good and gracious God. We want to be the favored ones who have earned that favor, deserve to be favored. Are you envious because I am generous? This is the same feeling, by the way, I think we, we have with the older brother standing in the field when the prodigal son returns from denouncing the father, squandering the inheritance that he asked for early, and then wasted, right? And now the son uh, comes back and the father is thrown an extravagant party, killed the fatted calf. I've been with you all these years serving Faithful son, loyal to you. Can you throw him a party? That's not fair. Or the feeling Jonah had. The feeling Jonah had standing in Nineveh bitter with God because God had forgiven the Ninevites instead of punishing them for their wickedness. That's not fair, God. I knew you would find a way to forgive these horrible people. What about the thief on the cross? Next to Jesus, the one to whom Jesus says, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise, that guy. He, lived, he had lived his life exactly the way he wanted. He had taken in life the things that he wanted. And now Jesus gives him salvation too. Is that fair? Because technically the answer is no, it's not fair. God is up to something much more beautiful and better. God's turning that world of fair and merit and deserve upside down. God is about a kingdom of grace. God's kingdom is much more about grace than about fair. God's kingdom is not fair, even though it's just. We don't enter it by our own merit or by by our brute force. We're noticed by God, invited in, Experience God's generosity and goodness by sheer grace. In the kingdom of God, the grace of God is radical, shaking the foundations of our understandings and expectations around fairness. Grace, like the wage distribution in the parable, is not used to distinguish based on performance, but makes us equal at the foot of the cross. In the kingdom, the father meets the needs of his children with an all-sufficient grace. God's grace is not the kind of thing you can try to store up for yourself or, or try to bargain with. In the kingdom, grace isn't the kind of thing that, that one person can have a lot of and then somebody else only has a little bit of it. In the kingdom, there is no inner circle of favorites who get more grace than The others. In the kingdom, God is in the marketplace looking for people we would prefer to ignore. Welcoming them in the same way and under the same terms that God has welcomed us. In the kingdom of God, by God's grace, God enlists those who everybody else would hire along with the ones that everybody tries not to hire. Despite the fact that there are wages in the parable, God isn't rewarding us for our effort at all. God is just doing what comes natural to God's gracious and generous character. Grace cannot be calculated like wages at all. In the realm of fair, some workers deserve more than others In the kingdom of grace, the word deserve does not even apply. Our worth in the kingdom is tied to God's grace and not to what we deserve or how hard we've worked. To stand in the hot sun all day for God and to be invited to work at the very last minute are both indescribable gifts of grace. In the kingdom of God, the economy of grace always, always is primary over the economy of merit. It was funny, the last time I was at my, uh, my parents' house uh, with, with Gabriel and Ellis, Gabriel really kept wanting Grandin Pops to read The Little Red Hen. Uh, you know the story, right? The hen asks for help in all the stages of, of planting the wheat, you know, the plant, the, the field, the planting, the harvesting, asks for help all along. Every time her friend says no, her friends say no, she said, fine, I'll do it by myself. And then when she finally um, harvests the wheat, does all the stuff, bakes the bread, of course, all her friends want to come over and eat the bread. And she says, no, I did all this by myself. I'm going to enjoy this bread, Right? One night, my mom said after reading and after they were to bed, she said, you know, I've got to say, the more I read this story now, the more I realize why it makes me feel a little bit funny. I realize that it's actually not what we believe as Christians. It's not very Jesus-like. And it's not really the message or essence of grace. And I said, yeah, actually, you know, you're kind of right. She was kind of right, of course. But in the kingdom of God, I think everyone gets to eat that bread. Friends, I, I did you no know wrong. Didn't I agree to pay you a denarian. Take what belongs to you and, and go. I want to give to the one who was, who was hired last the same as I, I give to you. Don't, don't I have the right to do What I want to with what belongs to me? Yes. Yes, you do, God. And grace, beautiful, amazing, infinite grace, belongs to God. And the kingdom, and the power, and the glory... God, give us this day our daily bread, not give me this day my daily bread. So let's not be so preoccupied with what's fair and what's deserved that we miss the goodness of God's grace. Because the upside down character of the kingdom of God means that all are extended mercy and the opportunity to work in the vineyard, although no one deserves either. Maybe life in the kingdom is, about, is not about uh, anticipating or, or expecting a reward from God. And more about living in gratefulness fully in the moments that we are given. Knowing that God has sought us out, invited us in. And given us grace upon grace upon grace. That's not fair. But that's wonderful news. That's wonderful news. In an upside down, right side up kingdom for folks just like you and me. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We're in a season of multiplication.